Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Hi, I'm Jake uh, at Sport Newcastle, and you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two ends. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me on the final match week of the season, guys. Obviously, it has just come to a close. We've just found that Leeds and Leicester are the two clubs that have indeed been relegated with a, a goal by Abdullah Decore keeping Everton in the top flight. Uh, are you surprised uh, from what you kind of expected coming into the season that Leeds and Leicester are the clubs that, that ended up getting relegated? And where do you think things went wrong for them? Yeah, I'm fairly shocked that Leicester got relegated. That was very much not on my bingo card. Leeds a little less so. I didn't really predict them to go down. But if you'd told me they'd go down at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have been entirely surprised. Whereas Leicester, I would have been totally shocked. Um, as far as Leeds, it's it's funny because they sacked Jesse Marsh. And I don't need to know if that was necessarily wrong in itself. I think he's fine and a, like, a fine manager. But I didn't think um, him getting sacked would really be that big a problem. But then they just... They had no plan to replace him at all. On um, that, uh, they weren't in a great spot either way. They also, I believe, they also had a lot of injuries. Um, I know Tyler Adams a bunch of time, um, but like when they're already kind of battling the border of relegations of the relegation race, and then they sacked the manager with absolutely no plan, and then brought in someone to play an entirely different system, which did not fit the players at all. That 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 doomed them pretty pretty hard. Um, Lester. I mean, it, a lot of it was probably just they, their inability to sack Brendan Rodgers earlier in the season because they just didn't have the money to do so. Uh, things had pretty clearly gone sour with him uh, and that squad. Uh, unfortunately, even I, like I said, I'm shocked by this. Even I would not have thought even like a very bad season for them would result in relegation, maybe like 15th. But um, yeah, they just every just wasn't their season. Everything went against them, um, and their inability to sack Rodgers earlier probably didn't help. But even even with that, I'm still shocked they went down. It's it's really tough for them. I mean, if you look at like it's it's always a little interesting when a team with a minus 17 goal difference goes down over a team like Bournemouth with a minus 34 or Forest with uh, what did they finish on? Is it again in the I think it was in the 30s, maybe high 20s. That's always kind of an indicator. Like eh, maybe they got a little unlucky, but uh, they clearly deserve to be down here in the end. Um, maybe not relegated, but. It deserved and had nothing to do with it at some point. They are relegated, and that is really sad for, I think, the Premier League in general. They're a good team, um, but obviously more so for them and their fans. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a surprise to see um, the three teams go down. I mean, Southampton, too. Um, the three pretty, um, well, you'd say Leicester and Southampton, especially, three, two established Premier League teams. Leeds have been up here for a couple of seasons now. 
um, I think there's three years. So, um, yeah, they're all quite established. But the, the problem with the Premier League is that it's so relentless that you eventually you, you, every club will try and push try and push themselves on and then just fall fall down the wayside and get relegated. It's, I think it's it's relatively impossible not to do that. I think it's impressive Crystal Palace have stayed up as long as they have. Um, I think even now with like Brentford and Brighton, eventually they're going to do this type of thing and get and get relegated or at least fight with relegation. It's just it's just inevitable with the Premier League. Like you come up, you try and establish yourself. You think, oh no, we're safe here now. We can push on, and then it, you just get relegated. It, 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 it's it's crazy how it happens. Like it, I'm surprised Leicester went. Um, not so, not quite so surprised Leeds went. I do think if they had kept Jesse Marsh, they would have had a better chance of staying up. But I don't think that he was great in itself. I just think he he was. I think he was a he was an okay Premier League manager, and sometimes that's all you need. Um, and the performances were fine. Um, there was obviously issues with that squad. Uh, Bielsa got that squad playing much higher than it was, but I think that March probably would have kept them up just because I think there were some poor teams down there. But I think for these two teams, the issue for them has just been that Nottingham Forest have, have managed to get it together under Steve Cooper. I think Steve Cooper has, has done an incredible job there, managing to to get the results with so many signings coming in. Um, he sort of got it on track just before the World Cup and then they brought in loads more in January and then he sort of struggled and, and he sort of get the tune out of them quite late again. So he's done a great job. Bournemouth going on the run they did and sort of that takeover happening when it did was sort of was sort of a surprise. I think many of us had Bournemouth written into one of those three spots, but they recruited well and sort of had that um, back against the wall sort of mentality. It's so much easier to have that when you come up straight from the Championship. When you've been in the Premier League for a couple of seasons, you kind of do get arrogant to the relegation quite a little bit. But yeah, in the Premier League, there are six teams that definitely won't go down. And there's probably a seventh for Newcastle now with their ownership and the and the sponsorships we're going to get that probably won't go down either. So at least 13 teams. And any one of those 30 teams can have a good few seasons, but eventually it's going to be their turn to fight relegation. We saw West Ham again this year. I don't think anybody would have saw them fighting relegation with the squad they had and how well they've done the last couple of seasons. But they did. Um yeah, you might add West Ham and Villa are sort of unlikely to, to get relegated in the, in the near future, but it's just the Premier League is so relentless. It, it's always it's so difficult to maintain that 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 progression, and eventually you're just going to have a bad season. And sometimes that's all it can take, as we've seen with Leicester. But um, yeah, I just think it's just, I just think it's just it's just evidence of what the Premier League is. It, there's six really good teams, probably a seventh one being added to it. And, and if you're not in those seven teams, any year it could be your year to go down, and that's just. The sad fact of it, um, I think next year is going to be crazy because I don't think the three teams coming up are that great. Um, I think it was a bad championship this year, but then Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth have stayed up. I don't think they're that great. Everton are sort of like Sunderland. They're impossible to flush, but eventually they're going to go. So yeah, I think next year it's going to be, yeah, it's, I, it's going to be a it's going to be a good season for sort of um, for the relegation fight again because I don't think there's a lot of quality. But yeah, I just think it's, it's just what the what the league is now. Any any year it could be your year, and this year it was Southampton, Leicester, and uh, Leeds, and to lose three pre-established teams is, is quite quite big for the league, really. It is tough for like Leicester because usually when that happens, a team pushes up and then they eventually go down. There's usually the they get sucked into the Sunderland vortex and like hover around for a while. They have a couple bad seasons, whereas Leicester really is just like this one. I think they finished like was it was eleventh last year. It wasn't that bad. Um, usually you like start getting sucked down and then you kind of as you say circle the drain for a while but then you go down like everton have been doing um but yeah, they, they just they, kind they of really have the... the drain yes <laughs> they've monopolized the drain and there's no room for leicester if they 
if Everton keeps staying around here for a while, we may have to rename it the uh, Everton Vortex, but um, <laughs> instead of a Sutherland Vortex. But they've been circling. That's usually how it goes. But Leicester, they just one bad season, and now they're now they're down. Yeah, Jake. The only thing I'd really push back on what you said is that you're inherently implying that Tottenham, as part of that air quotes big six, are going to be safe next season, and I'm not sure I have a hundred percent confidence of that right now. Probably in the nineties. I think your stadium is going to protect you from ever going down. But we'll see. It'll be great to watch. I think we'll we'll see. be here for it. <laughs> Especially Dan. Yeah, uh, June 7th is the deadline to see whether or not we've taken longer to appoint a manager than we did Nuno last time. Uh, so so keep an eye on that. Um, uh, another Put that thing. on your calendars. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody pencil that in. Um, <laughs> your significant others. What's this thing you have planned on the 7th? Like, no, no, no. That's just to see if Spurs did worse now than they did when they hired Nuno Spirito Santo. Um, uh, I did want to touch on the Lester thing a little bit more, though, because I've been kicking around this, like, pet theory in my head that if I was still a sports writer, I'd, I'd definitely write an article about. And it's around like the general premise that players individually regress under Rodgers, especially defenders, but kind of overall. Because Lester's whole business model was getting in young players, developing them, selling at least one a year to fund the next batch. And you don't need to hit on all of them, but it like guarantees that you always hit on one, and that kind of keeps you going. Obviously not super successful this last year. They were never able to move on from Madison or Telemans or Ndidi or any of those players. So Yanchu looked like he was going to be one of like the five best defenders in the Premier League. And it turned out to just be like one and a half seasons. Do you think that like this was like the perfect storm for them where a manager's tendencies went perfectly in sync with their need to develop players to sell. And if those two things were fighting each other, it was never going to work. I think that's a little hard. Like, I mean, it did work for a long time. They did really well under Rodgers for a while. Um, so like, I, think, I think that's a little harsh. Um, and like, you're never guaranteed to hit on, every, on like at least one. That's kind of like, they had a bunch of purchases and you expect to hit on at least one and they didn't. Uh, they just big missed on was it Kalechi, Daka, um, Bubakari Samare was another yeah, one that so, everyone yeah, a bunch was of people. Like, they just sure they'll hit and they didn't, uh, and that's unfortunate. But and I'm sure Rogers has something to do with that. It's hard to say if the manager has nothing to do with that. I don't believe that's the case. Um, I think especially in the end, him being uh, something of a, a prickly personality is probably didn't help with their relegation but like i i'm not sure he's entirely responsible for none of the players pushing on like as much as a manager it's their job to put uh the players in the right position i think even more in this sport than like other ones um uh, some of it is also just the players will will often be able to if they're really that great they can often able to improve even in spite of that um that was like neither of those things happened rogers didn't put them in good positions and they also didn't improve and then they also probably got a little unlucky this season and here they are. Yeah, I think I think with Leicester, the main thing is I, the the biggest issue was their finances, and that was that's been the case. I think um, mm. their finances excluded them from getting a, another goalkeeper on Casper Schmeichel, yeah. even though both keepers they had were. Which, yeah, imagine if they didn't have Danny Ward. For, quality. Was half a season. I mean, he's, exactly. Is he championship quality? He's terrible. I, I think I I think Everson is is okay as a backup but you don't want to be relying on him every week i think he looks a better keeper than danny ward but even so he's not he's not a Premier League standard keeper they also that those finances stopped them from sacking rogers earlier which might have you know 
um, got them somewhere. Probably stopped them from getting a better replacement than Dean Smith, who um, was not really, you know, if you sack Brendan Rodgers and you get Dean Smith, you might as well probably kept Brendan Rodgers for all his faults. Um, and the, the biggest issue, and I think it's something that, that sort of goes back to what I said about the Premier League just being that type of league, is that they they recruited really well and they were the club that, you know, people wanted to model themselves on. But then they never sold those players on at a frequent enough rate. Like one every summer is not enough because if you're buying four or five every summer and you promise them all, look, this is what can happen if you you play for Leicester, we can give you, we'll be a stepping stone. If you only sell one every summer, you're just going to get a build of players that just don't really want to be there. We saw that at Telemans, Madison last summer um, was linked to, linked to Newcastle. He's been linked to other clubs before, probably wanted to take that move, wasn't, wasn't given the opportunity. Barnes is another one. Um, and then we look at the players that they did sign, like we saw them sign Vestigard and Bertrand, or probably on massive wages and even really done much. So they just sort of just got into that 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 slum that, that you get into when you keep trying to progress and compete for Europe. Eventually, it's not going to work out for you. And then if you're, if you're stubborn about not selling your players on, it just creates a difficult environment for yourselves. And I think it all just sort of came together. And it is unfortunate at the end of the relegation, because I think if you watch back their 38 games, they were probably a little bit unlucky to not have more points than they have. But, um, yeah, you know, that's yeah, not that like much comfort. They, they are now. down and Everton are not. Uh, you can't convince me that Everton are a better team than Leicester. <laughs> you really can't. No, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, I just think that this, they're just a warning, though. I think a warning to, to sort of where Brighton are now. Like, you might think now they've got Europa League. This, maybe it's not the time to, to be that selling club. But I think if you don't be that selling club, it can quickly evolve into what Leicester are. And I think we'd all agree that Brighton are probably smarter than Leicester. They've probably got better mm. people in charge. But then we, we would have said Southampton and Leicester, we wouldn't have thought they them to go in the direction they did. So, yes, it's, it's, it's a warning. And I think if we see Brighton start not letting these players move on, like in five years' time, would I be surprised if you said Brighton get relegated in that time? I probably wouldn't be. I think Leicester does that case of, of what, what can happen if you, if you sort of get ahead of yourselves and, and don't manage yourself smartly, you end up in a financial sort of hole and it, it stops them from getting a goalkeeper and sacking their manager. And it's probably resulted in relegation and made that financial hole even worse. So, yeah. yeah, also a common thread through all three of those clubs is not being able to find a striker that'll score you 20 goals. Brighton, Southampton, and Leicester. It's real hard. It, it's hard to do, obviously, but like... That that's definitely the missing piece for Brighton, and it might be Ferguson, or maybe they'll keep kind of playing this formation where the kind of let the forwards drop back and the wingers advance. But anyway, sorry, uh, Dan, it sounded like you were going to say something. I was, I was just going to say, I think Jamie Vardy was that guy for a long time. He sort of hmm. he was sort of like Benjamin Button, he never aged. And then I think Ian Acho, look, he's he's got a good goals per minute whenever he has played, but he's never really been fully trusted. And Patterson Daffy gave him a big reputation, but I don't really think that's the issue with Leicester. It just seems to just be getting the system to sort of get the best out of them. And in the end, it was just sort of a, yeah, I think Rogers sort of had his time and they never got that right manager in. But if they'd have got the right manager in last summer, I think we could easily have been talking about them now. You see, see Aston Villa, they got the right manager in, maybe a little bit late, they ended up finishing seventh. That could easily have been Leicester, mm. very easily. Yeah, especially without Europe after last year. Probably people would have expected a bounce back rather than... For them to sink further. Uh, all right. Uh, well, and, and as you both said, you know, they were a result away. 
So like any of these things bounce different. If they if they don't lose to Tottenham two years ago on the final day and they were in the Champions League, then does that money solve their money problem? So then if they're disappointed by Rodgers in the league, then are they able to move on? Like there's a lot of ways in which this could have been avoided. But yep, ultimately, I, they... I, I think it's all, all down to that Everton win at Brighton. I think that's the that's the result that just turned everything on its head, and mm. it, I still can't explain it now. <laughs> Football's weird sometimes. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously the relegation uh, race isn't the only thing that's come to an end. It is obviously also the end of the 2022-2023 Premier League season. Um, what was your favorite moment of the campaign, either from your club or, or overall? Um, I've got a bunch of last-minute winners to choose from, so I have to choose between one of them. Uh, I'll probably save one against Manchester United uh, with Eddie and Keddie on the scoring in the 90th minute. Though admittedly, the Brees Nelson 97th minute winner is... Run, runs it pretty close. Uh, it's a shame those will, it, those will now go in like the same category as the Welbeck winner against Leicester in um, in fifteen sixteen, where like I was so happy in the moment. It's it's a shame it doesn't like come out to a Premier League title, um, like we all kind of thought it would at the time. Maybe not all. I I wasn't even certain it would at the time, but you know, it was it, in the moment. It felt like oh maybe this is it. It wasn't, but like I, those moments were still. Still fantastic. Um, still made me incredibly happy. But it's it's a little nicer to beat um, beat United at the last minute. So that's that's one I'll pick. Yeah, for me, it's probably probably sorry, Kev, but it's probably been five minutes against Tottenham at home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you can't enjoy being five minutes after twenty minutes, when can you enjoy football? Was your reaction was the just... same as Murphy's? <laughs> just like <laughs> the fully like that, open yeah. mouth. But something, something like that, yeah. It was just, but that, that at the time that you know Tottenham were, were the main competitors for that top four, which is amazing to say now. <laughs> but um, but it was at the time, and it was uh, we just lost to Aston Villa, sort of maybe we were worrying about falling down the league. Um, and then yeah, just that game just was was a massive massive point in our season, um, probably a massive point in Tottenham's as well. So yeah, it's just, that was a crazy game, the highlight of my season. Yeah, definitely fair. Any any generic league ones that, that kind of struck a note with you? I mean, Newcastle being 5-0 at Tottenham was funny for me. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> uh, probably, um, probably that Everton game, I think. I just think that was a massive turning point. Um, yeah, it was, just, uh, it was just definitely just a result if you did just check your phone to think what is happening there. Um, so everybody expected Brighton to go and win that easily. I mean, I guess, and Everton, not only to win and to score score as many goals as they did, and Dwight McNeil to turn into some sort of like peak Mo Salah was just something uh, to see. I guess also uh, the Liverpool um, win over United was funny, um, interesting, a shocking result. That that's somewhat memorable. Um, yeah, that's probably one of the more memorable results. Moving on, um, but I'm not sure if there are that many. Like, I don't know. It's when like neither of the title or the top four really come down to the last week or two. Um, and then like, even the relegation race, it was like Everton scored and then they held on and that was it. As like Jake said, there's the Everton-Brighton game earlier in the relegation scrap, which is memorable. But like, I don't know. There are not that many results I would say is like, oh, this is something I'm going to remember in like three or four years, unless I'm a fan of X team. Gotcha. Um, well, yeah, it, it was definitely a weird season, and part of that weirdness was the uh, World Cup smack dab in the middle of the season. There was a lot of concern going into that about the effect that it would have on player injuries or on club form or all this stuff, having that weird break there in the middle. Uh, what do you think ultimately ended up being the impact that the Winter World Cup had on the on the league? 
So I was mulling this question over, and I can't think of an immediate thing, which I guess means that it didn't end up having that significant impact. I have no idea, if, like, around the league, if there are more muscle injuries. It didn't seem like it from um, my perspective, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to have numbers to back that up one way or another. Um, as far as form, I mean, some teams kept for uh, Stuff happens at the winter break at, like, half of the season anyway. It's hard to, like, tell what what a part of that was World Cup, what part of that was just general, like, season goes on, stuff happens. Um, so I, as much as I was very much concerned for, like, player, uh, player health and um, just the general, like, the World Cup being in the middle of the season is weird, um, I, I'm not sure it ended up having that massive an impact, at least on first glance. Yeah, I think when you look at the Premier League in itself, like, um, that World Cup break, you had Arsenal top of the league, you had Newcastle in the top four, you had Liverpool struggling, Chelsea struggling. And they were probably the four stories that you thought, right, if the World Cup's going to have an impact, it could be for those four teams. Either Arsenal completely drop off, Newcastle sort of drop off, or Liverpool or Chelsea sort of get things together and, and push on. And all four of those teams sort of continued their trend after the World Cup. It didn't change at all. So um, yeah, it, didn't, it, it didn't really feel like the World Cup had that much of an impact on the Premier League, um, even with injuries. Um, I think maybe in the last couple of weeks, you've seen how the fatigue has, like the games have become noticeably worse in quality. Um, but that, that's mainly the, the main thing. Um, I, I guess for me, the main thing that, that, that the World Cup I've felt this season is that it just, it just feels like it has been really, really long. Um, and I'm very relieved it's over. Like thinking back to the things that happened in August and September, that does feel like it doesn't feel like it was this season. Um, uh, that's yeah, true. It, it has been very long. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean we're doing this what... podcast on May 28th. Like that's <laughs> that's pretty late. It feels like the season has been going on for two years. But yeah, it, I think the main thing is just it, it didn't really have an impact on the Premier League. Like the teams just continued their trends. It, it, it wasn't really a reset for any, any club. Um, but yeah, um, it just has been very long. Yeah, and I think uh, the difference was just there were loads of midweek matches. <laughs> like I think this is going to end up being like episode 23 or 24 of the show. And I was, I was traveling for a month uh, in the middle of there. But like, I feel like a lot of that's because there was a lot of stuff happening midweek and at the weekend both in the Premier League and in Europe. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also surprised that it doesn't seem like, at first blush, that there were loads more injuries, which I think you would have expected both with the added World Cup matches in the middle and then how close matches were played together the rest of the season. But yeah, I think ultimately FIFA got away with it, for better or probably worse. Um, I wanted to also talk about some players and, and hand out some awards from the show here. So I just wanted to hear from each of you uh, who who, well... I guess we'll go through them in order. So we'll just start with the first one. Uh, Dan, who do you think was the player of the season? I think it has to be Erling Holland. Guy scored a lot of goals. Um, like he's probably he's the difference between Manchester City winning the Premier League and not probably. Um, like he, I think he broke the record for most goals scored in a season. Uh, obviously, there's some penalties. I, I don't think he ended up getting it for non-penalty goals this season, for whatever that's worth. But like he scored 36 goals. I don't. He didn't play today, or at least he didn't start. Um, he he was a complete force like we've never seen before. Uh, if I think it's you had just simply have to give it to him. Like he's he's turned Manchester City into the fully operational Death Star they are. Yeah, it's difficult to go against Holland. I think he's probably is the player of the year. But I I will mention Harry Kane. I think he's he, he's had an incredible season that that has just been overshadowed by by what Holland has done. But Kane has done it for a team that is absolutely. Bad. Very much like, not a Death Star. Something exactly. significantly lower. No, it's a Death Star just after they run through the trenches and explode it. 
True, true. Imagine where Tottenham would be without Harry Kane. Like, he's literally pulled out one of his best ever seasons and it's not even got them into Europe. It's crazy. But yeah, he, he's done, in terms of one man dragging a team forward, uh, it's definitely Harry Kane for that sort of talismanic impact. But yeah, can't go against Harland. He's had an incredible first season. And, if, you know, if you break the, the goal-scoring record for a season in your, in your first season in England, yeah, you probably should win player of the year for that. Yeah, probably so. Uh, to your Harry Kane point, uh, players not named Harry Kane scored a total of 40 Premier League goals. Players that are named Harry Kane scored 30 Premier League goals for Tottenham this year. Which uh, is a little bit ridiculous, uh, granted. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he he has scored 30 goals in a Premier League season multiple times and has never won the Golden Boot doing, doing so, but has won Golden Boot scoring less than 30. Just kind of rough rough bounce there for, for Harry Kane this season. And many ways uh who do you think was the young player of the season also i saw some people say that holland would be the first player to ever win both in one season but gareth bale did that ages ago okay i'll get off my tottenham high horse now can we please rework this award it's so we do uh, have to talk about this every year it's so bad so bad these are our awards what what do we want to call it 23 and under first year in the league that's the problem It's, it's not actually an obvious solution um but like i i it can't be the way it is. It's just not good. Like, Holland has been playing at the top level for a lot of years. I know he he is he fits the definition literally. He is a young player, and he obviously, if you are including him, he wins it because he also won Player of the Year. But I don't like the award. It's so. I also don't know who I'd give it to. Um, otherwise, so you know, shame on me. But. Uh, I don't know, because like, I, I know Saka was one of the other nominees. He's 21, he's young, but he's also been playing top flight football for like four years. Like, it feels weird to give it to him too. Um, I don't know, we'll give it to Holland, because that's how the, the award technically is. And I don't have like an obvious, like, there's no rookie of the year that I can really think of in, you know, American sporting terms. Um, so I guess I'll give it to Holland, but please rework this award. I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think if you if you're discluding Haaland, which you can't really do, it's got. I, I'd probably say Saka. You know, he's got 14 goals, 11 assists. That's, pretty, that's a very good season. To get, to get more than 10 for both is, is a really good season. I think only only maybe Salah and De Bruyne did as well this year. So um, yeah, very good season for him. Um, and he'd probably be my one um, if we weren't saying Haaland. But yeah, as Dan says, he's got very similar. Sort of things that may disqualify him from what this award is meant to be so um it's difficult maybe michael elisa he's had a very good season he's young mm. he doesn't really get talked about much i'll say him he's been i've, I've always been impressed by him nice jay and sam will be very delighted that we've managed to sneak a, a palace player into these awards uh who do you think was the best manager this season i mean i think it pretty clearly has to be Mikel arteta um like to take arsenal to 84 points and second place after all this is pretty incredible. I don't, I don't think any, like even the most optimistic Arsenal fans I knew had a like third. Um, I'm, I am shocked by this season. I'm still, I'm really sure where it came from. Uh, and to build the team up this fast has been, it's, he's done an incredible job. Eddie Howe also definitely deserves a shout, um, to f- cover the other, per- the other, uh, guest on this podcast. But I do think it has to be Arteta just cause he got them quite so high. There's been a lot of like good, surprising clubs this year um but i obviously i'm biased but i do think it has to be arteta um yeah what well, arteta would have been would have been the front runner for a long time but the way it's ended 
kind of just uh, it's it's exactly the same as what happened with Arsenal last year. Kind of it's kind of that this year they got so far ahead that finishing the top four, which probably their main objective, just doesn't really feel like an achievement anymore. Which which, which probably just says to, to, to how well he's done. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have anyhow over him um, um, because I think I think I saw a graphic on Sky. I think Newcastle finished got gained the most points this season compared to last season. So if you're using that as a metric of, of managerial performance, you've probably got to say Eddie Howe. Um, but then that doesn't that did include sort of like 12 games on the Steve Bruce. So it w- would have been difficult for us not to improve in last year's total anyway. But um, yeah, I think he's very good. Like to get to the top four, um, I think it's only Leicester that have done it that weren't a traditional sort of top six team in like the last forever how long. So it's very difficult to do Leicester and Leicester flirted with it again. West Ham have tried to get, to get in there. Brighton this season did a little bit, but yeah, it's very difficult to do. And I think the way Newcastle did it, it we sort of like we, we eased into it. It wasn't sort of like a, an achievement, and you know, we sort of stumbled over the line and got it done. But um, yeah, and to get to a cup final as well, very good season. Um, but then if Pep wins the FA Cup in the Champions League, it's got to be Pep. The treble has only been done twice before in English history. So yeah, if he does that, probably manager of the year. Yeah, I guess it does kind of have to, like, it's always weird for managers with, inse- with insanely high expectations to begin with, though, yeah, if Pep does win the treble, that'd be pretty good, so I guess it could definitely be him as well, though it's it's always weird <laughs> with those kinds of things. It's like in... It's like the Holland thing like, that we just did. Where yeah, it's it's like, like, or it's like the really good coaches, like, don't win coach of the year and lots of things, because, like, you already have such high expectations, and they are usually at very good teams, that, like, it's, that those awards are almost always done as, like, over performance of expectation, which is kind of a weird way to do it, though it's also like the common way to do it rather than like who is just did the best managerial job which i mean pep is he might just win everything <laughs> yeah um I, I do want to give a shout out to deserby but like potter was kind of already doing that um so it's hard to like isolate him separately although i do think that the style that he plays is really unique uh as pep guardiola mentioned before labeling all of the michelin star restaurants that you should go to if you're ever in barcelona um but <laughs> um uh, you know Obviously, Dan defended Arteta. Jake defended Eddie Howe. Let me defend Antonio. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, yeah. No, please. That'd be good. Great content. <laughs> no, I, I, I do think that I have, have to go with Howe, considering everything else. Obviously, obviously, some bias against Arteta, um, just inherently because of club stuff. If he'd won the title, then obviously, yes. Um, but yeah, Eddie Howe do, doing as well as he'd done. And also, like in terms of his personal growth as a manager like the one thing everybody hammered him about about his time at Bournemouth was the defense and then Jake obviously we had you on during that crazy run of clean sheets then we had you on after that when you were conceding like one every match and I asked if you were worried about it and you're like no it's not really as much a defensive issue um and, and I think he really did build a system that worked just as well defensively as it did in attack um which means not only did Newcastle outperform what I expected from them I think Eddie Howe outperformed what I thought of him as a manager, which could be a bit outdated, um, admittedly, but yeah, was was very impressed there. Uh, and we'll wrap up with uh, a, the biggest surprise for you, a team or a player that coming into the season you didn't expect much from, kind of like Dan was just alluding to, but then ultimately you were like, wow, that was really good. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's again, probably the two guests on this podcast. It's one of, one of our teams. Because, um, like... I'm not actually that shocked by Brighton. I'm shocked by Brighton transitioning successfully from Potter to Deserby so well, but also like they finished 11 more points than they did last year. Um, they were already pretty good. So I do think it has to be one of Newcastle or Arsenal, just kind of like whoever's your flavor. I'm going to pick Arsenal because they've led the league for, I, mean, I don't think either Arsenal like finishing second and leading the league for most of the season or Newcastle finishing fourth were likely. But if you ask me like at the beginning of the season, which I thought was more likely, I would have said Newcastle just because like they have the money injection um, and all that. Now, again, I, I wouldn't have thought either unlikely, but I think that is what I would have thought is slightly more likely. So I'm going to say Arsenal, though I assume Jake is going to say is going to say Newcastle. Um, I'll, I'll move away from the teams. I, I think Dan's got the teams well. I'd probably say you'd also mention Bournemouth as well because I think everybody had. I I don't think you'd find anybody mm. that's not a Bournemouth fan that predicted them to stay up and. They obviously had this takeover, which helped them, but it wasn't like a was like a Newcastle takeover. It was just a a, a normal takeover. So yeah, you, I don't think you can really put too much into that. Um, but yeah, they they've done really well to stay up. Um, but player wise, um, that surprised me. I'd, I'd say there's two that have massively sort of jumped above what I thought they could be. Um, one does play for Newcastle, but I'll start with the one that doesn't. Solly March, I think, has had a really good season. If you'd have told me. That he would become like this, this probably Brighton's one of Brighton's most important players and scoring like goals regularly, sort of being up there for chances created um, per ninety. He's um he's had a really good season um and really pushed on under Deserby. So yeah, he he's definitely taken a jump. Uh, and he's sort of at the age where you don't expect jumps to happen. Um and a Newcastle player that's done it is Miguel Almiron. I don't think anybody has him, had him scoring more than ten Premier League goals. And yeah, there's probably some fortune to to, to his run of goals um but you know he did it so uh, and he he does look at even recently he's looked at like a, a really good Premier League player which, which he wasn't before so yeah um they're the two sort of players that I'd, I'd like to sort of highlight for another Newcastle player actually I mean I've always been fairly high on Callum Wilson but him scoring 15 non-penalty goals in less than 2,000 minutes is kind of absurd like that's any not even like crazy or performance on expected goals either like he just did it He's, he's had a really good yeah, season. It, and, like, I was always he, he has, he has fairly fun. high on him as, like, a maybe borderline Europa League-level striker. But, like, this is this is above my expectation. Yeah, he's had a really good year. I think that is who I thought you were going to say for, like, the Newcastle player. <laughs> no, but I think with Wilson, I just expect him to score goals because his problem has just been injuries. Like, whenever he's played, he's always scored at a good rate. But, yeah, he has scored. I think the, the last few months have really pushed that up a little bit. Um, he has ran very hot a little bit, but... Yeah, he's not run totally hot on his numbers. He is just a very good striker. Uh, it's just the injuries that have held him back. But yeah, 18, 18 goals and, and 15 non-penalty goals 
say it's a very good season for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and since we kind of keep bringing up both of your clubs and and how successful their seasons ultimately were, would you mind giving me kind of a, a letter grade and a quick breakdown of, of what you made of your season? I mean, it's got to be an A or an A plus, depending on how you grade. I think like, it I know, can't be I know an A plus for the obvious reason. I still think, like, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of like not. I don't think you can grade on like how you thought of the season a month ago. You have to grade on like your expectations on the season in August. And based on that, like we have, this is our, the most points Arsenal have had in a season since the Invincibles. Like 84 points is a lot of points and they have improved their stock by, what was it? I think they finished on, was it? Um, so yeah, 69 points last season, like a 15 point improvement. I'm fine giving an A, that's my grade. Like, I'm, I understand why not to give an A plus, but also I think like the whole, it, it's the whole, it's the problem with overperform not the problem, the weird way in evaluating massive overperformance, because at some point it does feel almost baked in, but like it definitely wasn't that Arsenal would finish anywhere near this well. If you'd given me 75 points at the beginning of the season, I would like bit your hand off for that. I would never, have, I would not have fathomed we would have got to 80 points, much less mid 80s. Um, much less had a real shot at 90s, but some that fell off at like the very end because the players knew it was over. And it's kind of hard to say a little locked in then. But like, I, it's it's a really incredible season. Like, this is the most points they've had since the Invincibles. It's really really good, and I don't I don't know. It's it's a really incredible season. I do realize it also feels like a missed opportunity. Like this may be our best shot at a title in this whole thing. I've been comparing this season. Uh, the last kind of like two seasons with Kevin throughout the season to um, like Spurs for the end of 15-16 and 16-17 where um, they were clearly on the up and coming but then kind of blew it finishing above um, Arsenal in 15-16 and then like pushed on and finished well above them in 16-17 and they also finished second and then they never won a title or even a trophy out of that. That may well be the case for Arsenal like this may be our best chance it definitely feels like a missed opportunity but also I think when you're grading this you do have to go back to your your initial evaluation back in April or not April in August um and like I didn't have this on my bingo card or really anywhere near it like it's been an insane season and it's gotta be at least an A yeah I think I'm, I'm with Dan there um I think it would be an A for Newcastle so I don't think you could see at the start of the season I, I did feel last year under Howe when the results were really good and we stayed up quite comfortably that we were a little bit lucky. Like a lot of those games are sort of 50-50 games and they just came out in our favour. Whereas this year it's felt like we've been playing a lot like a lot better. We, we're dominating games a lot more often. Um, I can only think of like two or three games where I thought we played poorly. Um, so yeah, it, it's been a really good season in terms of consistency. Uh, got the most ever points we've had in the Premier League season. Got to a cup final for the first time in 20 years. It is a really good season. And like... And, and it's probably the same for Arsenal as well. Like next season is probably going to be a regression of sorts for Newcastle. It's probably going to happen to Arsenal as well. Like these levels are, are difficult to maintain with like the squad levels you have. Like Arsenal got a better squad, so they're going to get more points than Newcastle next season, more likely than not. But like the Newcastle squad is still like a, a work in progress. I don't think they're going to bring in the numbers that people expect them to this summer. I think it's going to be sort of three or four like big money players rather than like spreading that money across loads of other. Of like like eight or nine to try and get like a Champions League ready squad. So it's going to be growing pains next season. I, I, I don't think we're going to match what we've done this year. I think it would be 
even to finish in the top six next year, I think would be a really big, good achievement. But yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to enjoy the season. Um, but I am expecting yeah, to be growing pains going forward. But yeah, can't 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 go against this year. It's been great. Just the consistency of performance has been the main thing. And yeah, top four in the cup final. I think pretty much every every team in this league, bar maybe two or three, would see that as a success at the moment. But yeah, you can, it can't be anything other than an A. Gotcha. And then selfishly, uh, what what would you give Tottenham? I'm I'm flirting somewhere between a D and an F, uh, and it kind of is based upon Dan what you were saying about what what the expectations were coming into the season. A lot of people thought Tottenham were going to challenge for the title. I knew better than that, but um, yeah, I mean, surely finishing outside of any European spot in a year where people were expecting you to finish top three is uh, darn near what you'd have to mark as a failure now. Yeah, I, I didn't think he was a chance for title, but I had used third coming into the season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's I I have no idea what I would give for an F. I mean, it's it's either a D minus or an F, just again depending on like how you grade things. Um, Wait, like if relegation is an F, is it yeah, like a D minus on a technicality? Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're like here, is it just anything below seventh is an F? That feels weird. Um, I don't know. But it's it's reasonable to give it an F or a D minus, just however you choose to grade it. It's a terrible season. And like I I'm I fully expected them to be a top four team. Or or like maybe let's say City, Arsenal, and like Liverpool don't fall apart, uh, and United have a bounce back season, or Chelsea don't fall apart, and they get like fifth, but with like seventy four points, like mm. that would be a season. Just be unlucky. That's not what happened. That's really not what happened. Um, so yeah, it's got to be either like a you know a D or an F, depending on how you grade. Yeah, I think it's got to be an F. <laughs> it's been an awful season. Like, I, I think everybody had Man City and Liverpool as the two clear teams going into the season. But if if any team was going to have the season Arsenal had this year, out of the rest, you would have said Tottenham were that team with the manager they had. So they had Harry Kane, who is one of the best players in the league. Hongman Son coming off the back of a golden boot. They made some pretty good signings in the in the summer. I mean, we can look back at them and think differently now, but at the time they were seeing good signings. Um, so yeah, it's been a pretty poor, poor season. And the fact that top, you know, going back to March, it was Tottenham, Newcastle, and Manchester United going for that Champions League spot. Nobody was really talking about Brighton. Nobody was talking about Liverpool. And Tottenham managed to go from that to not even getting into any European competition. Yeah, it's quite some some fall down. So yeah. Especially when they've got a player that scored 30 goals. Like, just imagine what it would have been without him. But yeah, it's got, I think it's got to be an F. Yeah, it was probably like a B in February. And then there was that one week where we lost in the league and then got knocked out of uh, the Carabao Cup and the Champions League. And then I, F triple minus since then. <laughs> whatever whatever averages out to a D minus. It's a G. It's a G, then. my guy. It's a G. Well, alphabetically, I understand. But we skip E anyway. We don't need to get into the uh, flaws of the American grading system. All right, uh, now we'll head into Player Watch, where I just wanted to hear from you guys who was your, your club's player of the season. And if you're feeling uh, audacious, you can also add a young player with whatever definition you'd like. So it's very hard to pick between uh, Saka and Odegaard, but I think I am going to go uh, with Martin Odegaard. He ha- he took the leap. Like, if, if you want to assign... I don't think you can assign this season to any one player. Um, like, it's it's massive growth among like a lot of players specifically like the entire front th- or like the entire front three um with like martinelli soccer getting better jesus not being lacazette slash a bombing from last season uh then motor as well and bringing solid there are a lot of reasons for the season but if you want to put it on like one specific player i think it's Odegaard taking the leap like he finished the season with 15 goals 
seven assists. Uh, I did not see him ever scoring 15 goals in a season. I do think he like I he overperformed his expected goals by like, a decent amount. So I don't expect him to do that again. But like, I mean, it's the season that happened. He scored 15 goals uh, and seven assists. It's he and they did so much more in build up play. Um, he he really did pull the strings. Um, as much as I think it's it feels wrong not to give it not to give Saka some level of credit because he also had an unbelievable season. Um, I, I am going to give it to Odegaard, though, again, if you give it to Saka, I totally understand. They've both been phenomenal, um, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing that, seeing them hopefully get even better. But even just keeping this level of performance would be fantastic. Like Odegaard has gone, has gone up level, uh, so many levels. It's been in, in, incredible to see. Yeah, for Newcastle, um, Kieran Trippier won the club award, but I'll give it to somebody different because that's a little bit boring. I think Trippier's been excellent, but um, and he's probably the the one Newcastle player you'd, like, you'd expect to see in the team this season if they've announced it. Yeah, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd still I'd probably give it to Joel Linton. I think he's just been excellent this year. He's just so consistent. Um, we didn't really just have a lot. Just got called up too, right? He did just get called up exactly, which is why I'm sort of giving it to him just to get called for Joel Linton to get called up to the Brazil squad. As a midfielder, is crazy considering where he started. Um, and yeah, it's been well deserved. Like, I've seen a lot of sort of like Brazilian accounts on um, social media, sort of wanting him to be in it for a good, good couple of months now. So yeah, it's, it's well deserved, and I think he's been excellent this year. Um, it's just the way he sort of, he, you know, he, he signed him as, a, as an attacker, and now he's just sort of this like um, midfielder that just wins the ball back and is just so aggressive. And he sort of added goals to his game as well. And started to look sort of natural in front of goal when when he was a striker, he looked like he wanted to be anywhere else other than in front of goal. So yeah, he's just really come on leaps and bounds as a player. Um, and yeah, the forty million pound we paid for him was a little bit of a joke, but now you'd probably say he's worth more than that. So yeah, his development's been great; he's been so consistent. Um, as a young player, um, we've got two players on the shortlist, so we do have two players that apparently qualify under these uh, parameters, which is Sven Botman and Alexander Isak. I think. Mean, He's actually been great since he's come back into the team. I think he's definitely got potential probably to be our best player next season. Um, the way he's sort of um, become a lot better in the final third than he was in his final year at Sociedad, I think we paid a lot of money for him, but um, there was a lot of big clubs that were reluctant to pay that for him. Um, because I think he had scored six goals um, the season before we signed him, but he, he definitely feels like we bought the dip there and he's really progressing as the player that everybody thought he would be. But um, Sven Bottom probably will win that award. I think he's been great this season. Played a massive part in our defensive record. And yeah, still very young as well. Um, and another one that sort of got into the, the national squad in, in recent months. So if he gets, gets his first Holland cap, that would be uh, good to see. Also, since I didn't give a young player, I will give mine. I, I will give it to Saliba, even though he is older than Saka, because <laughs> he feels like he fits the award better because it's his first year at Arsenal, at least. Um, so like he he came in and transformed our defense. You could almost see that by as much after he he got hurt and was out of the team. Um, he was fantastic this season. Uh, he's It fits the, fits the spirit of award better to me, even if he is about 100 days older than Saka. Um, but I'm going to give it to him anyway because he he feels more like a rookie, quote unquote, um, than Saka does. Like Saka's been in the Arsenal team for four years. It just as much as he is extremely young, it feels weird to give it to him in like the spirit of the award. So I'll give it to Saliba. He's been fantastic. Again, hopefully we can get him tied down to a long term contract. Seems like there's been some good noises on that, but I never I'm never confident until it's actually signed. 
Um, but hopefully we can get him tied down and he keeps staying in the team and progresses a lot, like uh, a lot of our players hopefully do. Yeah, it's time for a signed a ting remix. Um, there have been like seven. <laughs> oh, okay. I've missed a few in the middle then apparently. Saliba actually is a really fascinating story because it seemed like, you know, after you signed him and he was so hyped that then he just was never going to play for your club. Turns out a good thing to keep good players and to play them. And before we wrap, obviously, none of our clubs have any matches left. But just because the Premier League season is over doesn't mean all the Premier League clubs are done playing this season. Obviously, we still have uh, the two European competitions with Manchester City facing Inter in the Champions League final and West Ham facing Fiorentina in the uh, Conference League final. And obviously still the FA Cup to come. How do you think the, the remaining Premier League clubs will do in those remaining competitions? Uh, I My baseline assumption for every game is that City will win. <laughs> so I am expecting them to win the... Uh, at least every game they try in, because they didn't really feel the real team um, for the last game of the season, which, fair enough, they want to keep their players fresh. Um, but so, like, as I said earlier, they, they are a fully operational Death Star. They are the best team in the world. I'm not sure it's all that close. They're playing Inter Milan for the Champions League final. So it's one game. Anything can happen. But my baseline expectation is that they will win that fairly easily. Um, the game against United in the FA Cup final will be a bit harder, but I, again, my baseline expectation is they will win because they are really, really good, and it's very scary. Um, uh, as far as West Ham Fiorentina, that's a little tougher. Um, I, I don't know. I do. Tr- I, I I think West Ham had a fairly unlucky season in the league, so I do think they're better than their league placement. Um, but like, they're still probably a mid-table uh, Premier League sign side. So. It makes it a lot tougher, but also like most mid-table Premier League sides are better than a lot of teams in Europe right now because the Premier League has money and no one else does. So I still think I'll go Fiorentina. Um, I think they'll the last time will come just short, but um, I could definitely see them winning. Absolutely, I guess I think they're a pretty good team. Yeah, I think I agree with that on City. You just do expect them to win both games. I do think the Man United game is definitely harder. Um, and they have dropped, they have sort of lost a lot of games to Manchester United in, in recent years. Under Solskjaer, it happened a lot. happened earlier this season as well. Um, it wouldn't overly shock me if Manchester United won that FA Cup final. Um, I think that's the one they're more likely to lose. The worry for City is that since they sort of wrapped up, since, since Arsenal sort of wrapped up the league title for them, um, they've not really played their strongest 11. And it's quite a long time not to be doing that. Um, that's my only slight concern with City. I thought they would have rolled out their first 11 in one of these sort of last three games and they didn't do it in any of them. So, yeah, that, that I just worry about sort of the fitness of most players. I think Diaz didn't play. Uh, Grealish hasn't played since in the last three games. I think it's a little bit of a worry that. But, um, yeah, they, they are better than Manchester United and Inter Milan. So you just expect them to, to win both of them. And I think for, for West Ham, I think it's a really tough game. I think Fiorentina have had a good season. They finished sort of like top seven in Serie A. They got the Coppa Italia final at the weekend which they lost to Inter and I always feel like if you lose they've got that very recent cup final experience and they've lost that I kind of feel like they're not going to lose another one um, so yeah I think and I, I think the Fiorentina coach is quite highly rated in Italy and it's probably a little bit more dynamic than David Moyes um, and that could be important in a game like that so I kind of have Fiorentina as slight favourites but I think West Ham have the better players so see how that goes could go either way but yeah, I think I'd probably say City to win both games and Fiorentina to beat West Ham. 
Gotcha. And do you guys have any like sense of desire for Premier League cl- clubs to win those competitions? Or since it isn't yours, is it kind of like whatever? There's no like sense of like representing the league. I don't really have the sense of representing the league. Part of me wants City to. Part of me really doesn't want City to win because they're they are what they are, and part of me wants them to win just to like kind of kind of highlight just how bad it is and how like far ahead of everything they are um so i'm very conflicted over how i actually want that game to go i think i still want inter to win um i definitely i would prefer city win over united um in the fa cup but like i don't know i'm very city city break a lot of things and i don't know if i want them to like get extremely close to breaking everything but not quite get there or just break everything so we can admit like things are broken i'm not really sure how i want that to go but we'll see i do expect them to win so i'm expecting that so i don't really have any i don't have any like general sense of i want premier league teams to win um it's more just like on a case-by-case basis yeah, I, I'm I'm the same. I, I'm probably more anti-English team winning, purely because I haven't seen Newcastle win anything. So until I've seen that, I don't want any other fan base to enjoy <laughs> winning it. I can accept City winning things because they win all the time. Um, it's nothing special, but I think I think I do want City to win a treble purely just because I think it might bookend their dominance. I feel like that they would have reached their maximum. Like you could say the quadruple, but the Carabao Cup is a load of rubbish anyway. I wouldn't have been saying that had we won it, but. Really, it is. I don't think winning the Carabao Cup would add to the achievement anymore, especially as you know they lost to Nathan Jones in Southampton. Um, it's Hilarious like, in hindsight. <laughs> it, it is very funny, but yeah, I, I feel like it might bookend it. It might. I think Pep needs to do it for him to think about moving on. So I, I kind of want. I think if City win the treble, I don't think they'll have a better season than that. So I feel like this might be peak City as we see it. That is a good point that maybe that, that's the best option for, or that's the best route of having Pep leave um, and maybe the league be competitive again at the top. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if we can guarantee that outcome, which we can't, but, you know, theoretically, um, then I would definitely want to to win. But because uh, I don't know, as a, this is for another podcast, but like there are problems um, with the model right now. Like things are very, city are, very very good and have unlimited money and are getting around things um any like barriers to limit that money so um yeah uh, things are not looking great again that's for another podcast um but so i i can i don't i don't want to close that potential route that my club are going on so i'm all for it (laughs) (laughs) i i will just say that about a year ago spurs fans were very closely watching klopp and pep's contract situations thinking that with Conte, with those two gone, then Tottenham would win the league. And now, with an Arsenal and a Newcastle fan on, it is much more relevant to the two of you. And on that self-deprecating note, we'll end the final full show of the 2022-2023 season. Thanks to everybody for listening all year. Thanks to these two for joining me today and also throughout the year. Uh, If you guys want to tell folks where they can find you, where, where can they do that? Thanks for having me on today and throughout the season. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Yeah, cheers for listening. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Yep, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable on Twitter or by typing in EPL Roundtable to any of your podcast clients. Uh, sounds like we do have a couple of uh, segments lined up for the next couple of weeks uh, to recap people's seasons. We kind of got away from that last year, but hoping to 
to get back to that a little bit. So you might still have a few more uh, uploads from us um, looking back on this season. But yeah, that'll that'll wrap it for now. And again, thanks to these two for joining me today. Thanks to all the guests for joining us throughout the year. Thanks to all of you at home for listening throughout the year. And we hope to keep listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.